Hello, welcome to Cherry Beckard's GovCon podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. My name is Eric Poppy. I'm a managing director within Cherry Beckard's Government Contract Services Group. And with me today is Brian Kirk, one of our leaders in our RAS and cybersecurity practice. And he is helping to lead our CMMC response here at Cherry Beckard. So, Brian, this is kind of an impromptu podcast. We're jumping right in because right after Christmas, you know, Santa brought us a gift. And on December 26th, we had a proposed rule come out and published in the Federal Register um, regarding CMMC and giving us an update to the program. You know, I know we've been talking for a few, a couple of years now at least, um, about CMMC waiting for this proposed rule to finally come out. Um, comments are due at the end of February. But just to start us off, Brian, and to kind of set the tone for this podcast, um, because we want to highlight changes that are you know, kind of surprises that came out with this proposed rule. Can you just give us a really quick overview of what CMMC is again really quickly, and then we can j- dive into what some of those kind of surprises that came out in this proposed rule are? Yeah, thanks for having me on here, Eric. And uh, it was the time of being present indeed. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, definitely some, some very interesting um, information came out of the, the proposed rule. Um, so just an update, um, you know, this is a continuation of the DFAR 7012 and the NIST um, 800-171 security requirements. So, you know, it's a push by the department to formalize compliance. Um, there's been, uh, you know, DOD Inspector General report um, that noted uh, a lack of consistent compliance and implementation of the 171 security requirements. So uh, with CMMC, it's really a push by the department uh, to formalize and to provide the department assurance that these 171 security requirements are being implemented within the defense industrial base. Um, so it's just kind of, you know, the con- the continuation of, of the path that we've been on uh, for the past couple of years here. So three different levels of cybersecurity requirements, depending on what type of information you have in your contracts. Um, you know, this is, we went through CMMC kind of 1.0 and jokingly 2.0 and, but it's really based off those, that NIST framework. Now, I guess with that, Brian, you know, this, this was over 234 pages. Um, you know, what, just to start us off, what was the kind of biggest surprise for you when you read through this proposed rule that popped out to you? Yeah, um, certainly a, a, a few things that we were looking for um, in this proposed rule. Um, one of the main things being the equivalency. Um, so we'll jump into that in a, in a second here. Um, and, the, and, the, and within the rule, they, they differentiate between a cloud service provider and an external service provider. Um, so I think that's important to note. Um, phased implementation. Uh, I think a lot of listeners here will be interested in how the DOD plans to roll out CMMC requirements within contracts. Um, Level three, um, level three requires a level two certification um, in order to engage with the DCMA DIPCAC uh, for level three. Um, and then, you know, there's this term final certification versus conditional certification. Uh, you know, we'll kind of jump into what that means. And then conversion of, of the DIPCAC high assessment. Um, so a lot of OSCs that have gone through the joint surveillance program that received the DIPCAC high assessment they may be able to convert that to a CMMC level two um, if they receive the perfect score on that DIPCAC assessment. 
Okay. And I know there's some information too on costs. They provided some costs for these assessments as well. So how about we start off with, you know, we have a level one um, self-assessments, level two self-assessments plus a C3PAO assessment, and then level three assessment. I know you and I spoke when we were kind of debriefing about this proposed rule that there were some changes there about level two versus level three. Can you kind of jump into that to start us off? Yeah, certainly. And I think, as you mentioned at the beginning here too, Poppy, you know, uh, with the change to CMC 2.0, um, away from CMC 1.0, the department really aligned CMC with NIST. Um, so level one and level two, following NIST 171, level three, including select security requirements from 800-172. So as you mentioned, CMC 2.0, there are three levels, level one, level two, and level three. Level one aligns with FAR, um, and that's been required for, for some time now you know, any um, government contract that has FCI data, that OSC or that contractor is, is required to comply with the 15 security requirements that are, that are designated in FAR. Those are level one requirements. At level one, it's a self-assessment. So the contractor would perform a self-assessment in accordance with the Asia 171A assessment guide. So it's important to note that for a contractor, when you're performing that level one self-assessment, you have to follow the 171A assessment guide. And you also have to score in accordance with the CMC scoring methodology. Also for a level one self-assessment, no POEMs are allowed. Um, and once you are completed, once the OSC or the contractor has finished the self-assessment, they report their score to the SPURS system. It's also important to note that with the CMC program, they're requiring an annual affirmation. Now, whether that applies to level one, level two, or level three, on an annual basis, a senior official responsible for oversight of implementation of the CMC requirements is required to submit an annual affirmation to the SPURS system. Um, and so that's just a kind of a high level summary of level one. Now, level two is bifurcated into a self-assessment or a certification. Now, most of them, most of level two are going to fall into the certification bucket. Um, but select contracts at level two are going to be allowed to have a self-assessment performed. Um, now that self-assessment is, is similar to the process to perform level one self-assessment. You have to form it in accordance with the 171A assessment objectives. You have to score it in accordance with the CMC scoring methodology. Now a differentiator between level one is that for level two self-assessment, you're allowed to have select poems. Now those select poems has to be closed out within 180 days. So the contractor, once they've completed their initial self-assessment, they would report their score to the SPURS system. If they had no POEM items, they would receive a final self-assessment certification. If they had POEM items, upon their initial submission to SPURS, they would receive a conditional self-assessment certification. And then they have 180 days to close out those POEM items. Once they've closed out those POEM items, they would then submit their poem closeout assessment to SPURS, and then they would receive a final self-assessment certification. Um, now, Poppy, I wasn't sure if you had a question there. Yeah, no, I just wanted to, for the listeners, SPURS is the government reporting system for, for CMMC. So just the, who's like, you know, are we talking about the basketball team here? Like what is, that's, it's yeah. it's really the, uh, it's the self-reporting or it's the, uh, the, the government's way for you to report to them on what that is. So I just wanted to mention that. So can you talk a little bit about, I know, 
you know, there was a lot of talk for a long time about level three. The government has to come in and do the assessment if you're level three. But mm -hmm. really, it's not the case based off this proposed rule. My understanding, and please add to this, is that you'll use the same C3 PAO for level two. And then if you have level three requirements, the government's only checking those additional requirements for level three. They're not doing level the, you know, the controls and the processes for that's required under level two. It's just really the additional that jumps you up to level three, correct? That's 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 correct, Eric. And that was that was interesting to read in the rule as well. Um, so with level three, in order to engage with the DCME DIPCAC to perform a level three assessment, that OSC first has to have a CMC level two final certification. Now we mentioned at the beginning final certification versus conditional certification. The only difference is a final certification means you don't have any POEM items. A conditional certification means that you have POEM items. Um, so in order to engage with the DCMA DIPCAC for level three assessment, the OSC has to have a CMC level two final certification. Well, in order to get a, final, a level two final certification, you would have to engage with the C3PAO to conduct a level two certification assessment and then receive a final certification from that assessment. And then you can go engage with the DCMA DIPCAC to perform a level three assessment over their select 800-172 security requirements. Okay, that 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 helps out a lot. Um, and, you know, we hit on the conditional versus final certification already in that time period to get, you know, you can have a have a conditional report or certification for um, that amount of time until, you, you know, 180 days, and then you have to have those POEM items completed, then you get the final cert. So you can, you do have a little bit of a runway there if you're you know, have a few items that you're having that you have to clean up after that initial certification. So how about we, you know, kind of change topics a little bit just to from time standpoint and jump to equivalency and CSPs versus ESPs. Can you kind of highlight that rule itself on, um, you know, what what's the different level of requirements for a CSP versus ESP? Certainly. Um, and, and for some background, a lot of people are a lot of users within the CMC ecosystem, you know, we've been eager to obtain this additional clarity around what FedRAMP equivalency means. And, and the term FedRAMP equivalency really comes from the FAR 7012, where in that clause, they required contractors that are using cloud service providers to make sure that that cloud service provider um, is FedRAMP moderate or equivalent. Um, and so a lot of questions came, okay, well, what does equivalency mean? Whether they Thankfully, within the rule, it would be interesting to see also what comes out of the public comment period. But within the proposed rule, they mentioned they, they bifurcate between a cloud service provider and an external service provider. Now, a cloud service provider they define as an external company that provides a platform, infrastructure, applications, and or storage services for its clients. And so if you're an OSC and you're using a cloud service provider, you're required to make sure that that cloud service provider has one of two things in order to show equivalency. One being that that product or service being offered by the cloud service provider is on the FedRAMP marketplace as being FedRAMP moderate. Or two, that cloud service provider would need to provide a system security plan, and that system security plan would need to describe the system environment, the system responsibilities, the current status of the moderate baseline controls required for the system, and they would need to have a shared responsibility matrix that summarizes how each control is met and which part is responsible for maintaining that control that maps to 
800-171-A REF2 security requirements. Now that's for the cloud service providers. For the external service providers, the rule defines an external provider as um, external people, technologies, or facilities that an organization utilizes for the provision and management of comprehensive IT and or cybersecurity services on behalf of the organization. Now, a common example here would be a managed uh, service provider, security provider. Now, for an external service provider, they are required to maintain a CMC certification equal to the level of the OSC that they're providing services for. So, for example, if you're a contractor and you're required to have a level two certification, and you're using a managed service provider, that managed service provider needs to have a level two certification as well. Um, so that's just kind of uh, some information that was provided by the rule around equivalency for cloud service providers and, and external service providers. That, that That's really helpful because I know we get a lot of questions on that. Um, and, you know, people talk, well, I use this web service or I use this outsourcing group for my IT. What do I need to do there? Um, you know, part one thing that was nice with this proposed rule and is and I'm interested to hear public comments on this timeline, too, is the phases and the four phases they outlined. Can you just give a quick overview of what are the four phases um, and a little bit about because everyone's sitting there going like, all right, when is this really going to impact me and hit me? Um, and so do you mind just touching base on that real quick? Yep. So the, the rule lays out um, phase implementation approach and so the DOD. Um, is utilizing a phased approach for inclusion of the CMC program requirements and solicitations and contracts. And so really it's a method of how the DOD plans to roll out, you know, the, the, the 7021 DFARS uh, clause in the contracts. And so um, it's really over a two and a half year period. So starting with phase one, phase one begins on the effective date of the revision of DFARS 252.204-7021, better known as the CMC clause. So for phase one, the DOD intends to include CMC level one self-assessment and CMC level two self-assessment for all applicable DOD solicitations and contracts. Now, at their discretion, they may include uh, CMC level two certification assessments, but it's expected that for phase one, they're going to be rolling out the self-assessment requirements for level two and level one, respectively. So um, jump it in really quickly. Yep. Um, to just, I know I'm interrupting, but this might be a good plan when you're getting draft RFPs out and you see these clauses coming in there and you should be being able to identify if this is level one or two and what might, could it be a self-assessment, can it not be? That might be a time for the Q&A because it might not be clear in these initial contracts. Like, hey, go ask the um, in the Q&A before the final comes out um, or during that Q&A period in the proposal process to ask for clarification here, because that could be a huge difference between the two. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you on the phase one versus two. You know, in phase two, just to to get us rolling again, um, is six months following the start of phase one. But do you want to take it from there? Correct. Yes. Um, so phase two, uh, as, as you mentioned, Eric, six months following uh, the start of phase one. Uh, so within phase two, they, the DOD intends to include CMC level two certification assessment uh, within DOD solicitations and contracts. Um, and they may, at their discretion, include CMC level three certification assessments within contracts, but phase two expected to be those level two certification assessments um, within the contracts. And then rolling on to phase three. So phase three will begin 
one calendar year after the start of phase two. So we're, we're really one and a half years after now of the implementation of the CMC DFARS clause. And so in phase three, um, the DOD intends to include, continue including the CMC level two certification assessments in all contracts. Uh, but then they also intend to start including the CMC level three certification assessment within contracts. And then that leads us then into phase four. Phase four would be the full implementation of the CMC program. Um, and that'll be one calendar year after the start of phase three or two and a half years after uh, the revision to DFAR 7021. Um, and within phase four, it's a full implementation. Um, so they expect to start um, here rolling out the uh, level one, level two, level three um, assessment requirements into in contracts. So still a little bit of a, a, you know, I've used this term already once, runway when it comes to the full rollout here to, to phase four, but at least we know the timeline now. So that's good. Um, so just to wrap us up, you know, there's a lot of information in this proposed rule about cost. And, you know, and you, when we were talking earlier, you had mentioned, you brought up a very interesting point when how the proposed rule talks about cost here. So, you know, for the listeners, what was the one thing that you noticed there about the proposed cost for the different um, size companies? Yes. Yeah, so when um, reading through the rule as, as part of the, the cost analysis that the department did on the rule, they essentially stated that, hey, any cost associated with implementing NIST Engine 171 should have already been incurred. Uh, through DFAR 7012, which was required, um, which contractors are required to implement as of the end of December 31st, 2017. So from the department standpoint, they're saying, hey, this rule, we're not considering any cost to implement 800-171 or the 15 security requirements from FAR. They should have already been implemented. This rule is only looking at the cost to become compliant or the, the cost of the assessment for level one, level two, and level three. Now, one interesting note that I just want to add is for level three, as you, if you recall earlier, you mentioned level three includes those select additional requirements from 172. Well, yep. prior rules did not require those select requirements from 172. So within this CFR 32 part 170 proposed rule, they do add in the cost to implement those select security requirements from 172 because they have not been part of previous rules. It's, it's new to this rule. Um, but cost with implementing 800-171, which has been required previously, um, is not considered in this rule. And, and from a DOD's perspective, it should, those requirements should already be implemented. Um, so this rule only looks at the cost for the assessments. So what I would be interested in is to see, especially as this gets rolled out over the next few years, or really year, year and a half, is do you see DCAA or IPA auditors who are up to speed on this rule question any uh, kind of ramp up implementation costs? Because, you know, I could see someone argue, hey, this should have been incurred. We, you know, the government's not going to foot the bill for via your indirect rates or through your contract pricing for these ramp up costs, because that should have already been done. That should have been back in 2022, 2023, um, not in 2024. So 
I think you could really make an argument if I'm the contractor that, hey, I didn't have this requirement because it's my first time in DOD or I just entered in the DOD space or I just work civilian agencies and I just got, but especially with some of those those FAR requirements, not necessarily DFARs, like I could see at least it being a talking point. Um, and again, I'm, this is just kind of thinking outside the box of what auditors might be uh, considering yeah. um, it's it's kind of like idle facilities and COVID and how does that impact? But um, that's my cost accounting uh, soapbox there for a second. But you know, Brian, just to close this out on because uh, of time, I really appreciate you kind of walking through this proposed rule uh, that came out on the 26th. Um, again, comments are due at the end of February, so we do suggest that everyone go read the proposed rule or reach out if you have any questions. Um, Cherry Becker will still continue to be on top of this and provide any updates that we see that pops up. Um, so Brian, appreciate the time. And everyone, please make sure to follow Cherry Becker's GovCon podcast um, on Spotify, uh, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And we appreciate you tuning in today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.